It's dark here, but it's working. Some of you were here last Sunday and heard me read today's scripture. Welcome to this service. I'm going to read today's scripture, which is the same scripture. I offered Dean, whose turn it would have been, the opportunity to have me do two in a row rather than uh, have him suffer through that. (laughs) No, we we enjoy reading the scripture together, don't we? Um, It's going to be a little different today. The reason, though, that uh, I won't be here next Sunday is my mother's 100th birthday is going to be Friday. And we'll be 40-some Jurgensons and Gale family as well. Um, assembling in the lower part of Tulsa. If you want to drive anywhere, that may not be it next weekend. (laughs) But before I ask you to stand, as I normally do in reverence to God's word, I want to assure you that I'm on the right page for this scripture, and I want to tell you how I plan to read it. Have you heard of the Amplified Bible? Can you hear it? Oh, it's amplified. This this came about. This this is a, a scholarly work, and I recommend it for you for study purposes for understanding God's word. I'm going to challenge you today by reading words that are different from what you will see. So I want both your ears and both your eyes to be hanging in there with this. The Amplified Bible was developed by a scholarly crew of folks who understood Greek and Hebrew and said there's lots of dimension to the words that are used in our Bibles. And sometimes English is, is not quite up to the task of presenting that. And with the idea that they could present things that were left out, you know, we use one word, and think of all the synonyms we have that mean almost that same thing, but slightly differently. So they're applying that kind of English to the challenge of, of Hebrew and Greek, which can condense and create a, you know, a message with lots of information in it, while not necessarily... Uh, we, are we capable of, of delivering that in the same succinctness as, uh, as those languages would provide for those ears? Enough preamble. <laughs> Thank you for standing. <laughs> okay, I'm going to probably interrupt myself a little bit. This will sound a little bit disjointed because as I add words or words that are not there, um, you know, listen to your ears. Don't fail your eyes, but listen to your ears. We're reading from chapter 12 of Romans, starting with verse 14. Bless those who persecute you, who are cruel in their attitude toward you. Bless and do not curse them. And here he has 
uh, three letters, three words that say share others joy. Share others joy, rejoicing with those who weep and share others grief, weeping with those who weep. Did I get that right? Live in harmony, verse 16, with one another. Do not be haughty, that is to say snobbish, high-minded, exclusive, but readily adjust yourself to situations, people, things, and give yourselves to humble tasks. Never overestimate yourself or be wise in your own conceits. And the reference there, Proverbs 3, verse 7. Verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but take thought of what is honest and proper and noble, aiming to be above reproach in the sight of everyone. The reference, Proverbs 20, 22. Verse 18, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 19, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave the way open for God's wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay or requite, says the Lord Deuteronomy 32:35 But if your enemy is hungry feed him if he is thirsty give him drink for by so doing you will heap burning coals upon his head Proverbs 25:21 and 22 and if you're not here last week I advised people not to do the heaping of burning coals and use that as the motivation for the drink and the food to eat. Now 21. Do not let yourself be overcome by evil, but overcome, that is, master, evil with good. And I think that whole last verse speaks of focus and deliberateness. Thank you for standing and reading the Lord. Bye. And that's not the last time you'll hear that passage of Scripture. This is part two of a three-part series on that same passage. So you'll get a dose of this again next week. Well, um, I, I started last week with this statement. A challenge we must all deal with is people problems. Anybody here ever dealt with a people problem? But in this passage of Scripture... Um, and it, it begins uh, clear back at verse 9, and we addressed uh, the verses 9 through 13 earlier. Verse 9, Paul talks about love must be sincere. We are to love sincerely. And Paul tells us what that looks like when dealing with people who are difficult, unfriendly, or adversarial. Um, the, Romans, the Roman Christians lived in a culture that was not very receptive to their message or lifestyle. Even among believers, there was conflict at times, as evidenced by the issues that Paul deals with in some of his letters. 
to the New Testament churches. So, in this passage of Scripture, verses 14 through 21, Paul tells us how we, what loving sincerely looks like in dealing with people who may be challenging in our lives. Now, last week we looked at verse 14 and said we need to choose to speak good to and of our detractors. We need to choose to speak good to and of our detractors. In verse 15 we said we need to identify with their circumstances. And this morning we look at verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. And our first point is this. Do your best to understand where they are coming from. Do your best to understand where they are coming from. Live, live in harmony literally reads, in, and um, Gail made some reference to this, a lot of times... The, there's not a great way for us to translate the Greek to the English in, in its full meaning. Live in harmony, harmony literally reads, be thinking the same thing toward one another. Now, this is different than other verses promoting harmony among believers. Be thinking the same thing among one another or develop a common goal of thinking. That's usually what we think of when we think of unity in the body, unity among believers. Be thinking the same thing among one another or develop a common goal or thinking. And we understand the importance of that in the church of Jesus Christ. We all have to be moving, so to speak, in the same direction, right? Okay, this is the train we want to be on going that direction. But the idea that Paul is communicating here um, is this. Be thinking the same toward... I thought it was beyond puberty, yeah, but maybe not. In this case, the idea is be thinking the same toward one another. There's a difference. Okay? One commentator put it this way. Having in mind for another the same thing that under like circumstances one has in mind for himself. I am to want you to have what, if I were in your position, I should want myself to have. Think the same thing about them as you do yourself. Don't operate on a double standard. Evaluate things the same way as you would for yourself. We have a tendency to hold people to a different standard than we often do for ourselves. Give them the same benefit of the doubt that you might give yourself or that you would expect someone else to give you. If it is good for you, it's probably good for them. If it is bad for them, it is probably bad for you. Most of us judge others by their actions and ourselves by our intentions. We judge others by their actions and ourselves by our intentions. We apply a much stricter standard very often when it comes to the people that we're dealing with. 
Scripture teaches about God judging us by the same standard that we use to judge others. Yeah, that's kind of a scary thought, isn't it? God judges us by the same standard we use to judge others. If we want mercy, we must show mercy. If we want forgiveness, we must forgive. So when we get an attitude towards someone, suddenly we scrutinize everything they do through this negative grid now. Suddenly everything they do is interpreted as, well, their intentions are wrong. They're evil, they're vindictive, whatever. And if this goes on very long, we can begin to develop a paranoia about people. And there are folks out there like that. They live in fear. Everyone is out to get them, or certain people are out to get them. And so what we do is we put people in a box from which there's no escape. We won't let them out. Our natural tendency is to treat difficult people more skeptically and harshly. And Paul tells us that we're to use the same thought process toward others that we use regarding ourselves. The same thought process. I, I, I shared this scripture with you last week, 1 Peter 3.8, where he says, Finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. <clears throat> So we, we're to be sympathetic. We're, we're to try to understand where they are coming from. We sometimes talk about the fact that, that God does not wait, use or misuse or waste any of the experiences we have in our lives, especially the ones that we view as negative. You know, I went through this horrible dark time in my life. Because oftentimes it's these experiences that allow us to sympathize and even beyond that to empathize with others. This helps us to extend grace to the difficult people in our lives when we can genuinely sympathize or empathize with what they're experiencing. We've all heard the, uh, I think I might have mentioned this last week, the saying about, you know, walk a mile in my shoes. Well, uh, back in the early 70s, somebody turned that into a song. His name was Joe South. And the song he sang goes like this. If I could be you, if you could be me for just one hour, if we could find a way to get inside each other's mind, if you could, if you could see you through my eyes instead of your ego, I believe you'd be surprised to see that you've been blind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Hey, before you abuse, criticize and accuse, walk a mile in my shoes. And one of the things I've participated in over the years with uh, small groups that we, Julie and I have been involved in is the practice of sharing our spiritual journey. And it's something that they practice pretty consistently and celebrate recovery. When we... When we hear people share their life story, what they've experienced, the highs and lows, the things that shaped them, where they've come from, then we view them through different eyes. Because we understand now 
at least some of the reason why they are who they are. So we need to be mindful of that. We need to try and understand people to, to, to understand where they're coming from. And then in verse 16. <clears throat> um, is that right? Okay. Uh, I thought I just read that, but... Oh, I, I was supposed to read first vif, verse 15 the last time. Sorry. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Now verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of the low position. So rejoicing with those who rejoice, mourning with those who mourn, is trying to put ourselves in their circumstance and understand where they're coming from. But, as this verse says, live in harmony, do not be proud, be willing to associate with people of low position, do not be conceited. says to us, do not think of yourself as better than anyone else. Do not think of yourself as better than anyone else. Our rating systems are man-made. Remember the story of the prophet Samuel going to Jesse's house to anoint the next king of Israel? Remember that story? 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses, 16, verses 6 and 7. The reason this has happened is because King Saul has blown it and God has selected his replacement. And so Samuel shows up at Jesse's house. And when he arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, this is one of Jesse's sons, one of David's older brothers. Samuel saw Eliab and he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Look at this guy. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Galatians 3.28 Now we're bringing this up to a New Testament perspective. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3.11 here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. There's a story um, I heard several years ago and was able to find again. Uh, and it comes back from uh, the, uh, well, what we would call the, the hippie era. So this is the story of the hippie who came to church. His name is Bill. He has wild hair. He wears a t-shirt with holes in it, jeans and no shoes. This was literally his wardrobe for his entire four years of college. He's brilliant, kind of esoteric, and very, very bright. He became a Christian while attending college. Across the street from the campus was a well, is a well-dressed, very conservative church. They want to develop a ministry to the students, but they're not sure how to go about it. One day, Bill decided to attend that church. He walks in with no shoes, jeans, his t-shirt, and wild hair. The service has already started, and so Bill starts down the aisle looking for a seat. 
The church is completely packed and he can't find a seat. By now people are looking a bit uncomfortable, but no one says anything. Bill gets closer and closer and closer to the front. When he realizes there are no seats, he just plops down right in the middle of the aisle on the carpet. And, and there's a little parenthetical thing here that says, although perfectly acceptable behavior at a college fellowship, trust me, this had never happened before in this church. By now the people are really uptight and the tension in the air is thick. About this time, the minister realizes that from way at the back of the church, a deacon is slowly making his way toward Bill. Now the deacon is in his 80s. He has silver gray hair, a three-piece suit, and a pocket watch. A godly man, very elegant, very dignified, very courtly. He walks with a cane, and as he starts walking toward this boy, everyone is saying to themselves, you can't blame him for what he's going to do. How can you expect a man of his age and his background to understand some college kid on the floor? It takes a long time for the man to reach the boy. The church is utterly silent except for the clicking of his cane. All eyes are focused on him. You can't even hear anyone breathing. The people are thinking that the pastor can't even preach the sermon until the deacon does what he has to do. And now they see, see this elderly man. He drops his cane to the floor. With great difficulty, he lowers himself and sits down on the carpet next to Bill and worships next to him so he won't be alone. Everyone chokes up with emotion. There seems not to be a dry eye in the entire congregation. And when the minister finally gains control, he says... What I'm about to preach you will never remember. What you have just seen you will never forget. James chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly to church, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, And if you pay pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while to the poor man you say, you stand over there or you sit at my feet, you have not then made, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? And folks, this not only applies to to Bill the hippie who walked in and sat down in the aisle. It applies to our persecutors as well. Our fleshly tendency is to consider ourselves on a higher status level and avoid such people altogether as unworthy of our effort or time. And Paul tells us to stop thinking so highly about ourselves and be willing to go along with those who are humbled or lowly or oppressed. In fact, that's what the word associate in this verse means. Be willing to associate with people of low position. The word here means to go along with or to be led or carried with. So the question is, how far are we willing to go along with 
to communicate the love of Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 53, it's a, this is a, a, a prophetic chapter looking toward Jesus and his coming and, and what Jesus would do. And it says this, Therefore, God speaking of Jesus, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with transgressors. For he bore the sin of Medi and made an intercession for the transgressors, the lowly, the needy. By the way, that's all of us before Christ. That's all of us before Christ. Think about who Jesus hung out with. Think about who Jesus hung out with. You know, the really godly people of Jesus' day were bothered by who he hung out with. Right? Often, they characterized the folks that Jesus hung out with as tax collectors and sinners. Which is interesting to me because tax collectors had a category all of their own. Maybe they still do, I don't know. <clears throat> and there was reasons for that in the day that, that Jesus lived. Um, but the point is, Jesus hung out with people that the religious elite, let's call them of his day, did not expect that a holy person would hang out with. And yet Jesus spent the vast majority of his time with those folks. Remember, he said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. <laughs> Jesus identified with them, and we need to try to do the same thing and not ever think that we are better somehow than those Jesus has called us to reach. And then remember, everyone has something to offer. It says, do not be conceited. And that's again in verse 16, that's the last phrase. Do not be conceited. In the New Living Translation, it says, and don't think you know it all. Psalm 131, verse 1. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. The psalmist knew that he didn't have it all figured out. Isaiah 5:21. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. So what we must have is a willingness, do not be conceited, a willingness to learn from others. That may mean someone younger than you, someone not as educated as you, someone that hasn't been a Christian as long as you have, someone that doesn't come from the same background as you do, someone who comes from a different culture than you do, or someone whose native language might be different than your own. And to do that takes a level of humility, doesn't it? I can learn from you. Proverbs um, 10, 13.10 
The first part of that verse says, pride only breeds quarrels. It creates differences between us and others. When Augustine was first asked to list the principles of the Christian life, he answered, first, humility, second, humility, third, humility. And Paul, in his own, his own self-assessment, and he looked, as he looked at his own life, in 1 Corinthians 15.9, he said, I am the least of the apostles. In Ephesians 3.8, he said, I am the least of all God's people. In 1 Timothy 1.15, he said, I am the worst of sinners. Doesn't sound like Paul had an overinflated view of himself, does it? You know, um, many of us have read, read, uh, read The Purpose Driven Church and uh, Celebrate Recovery Comes Out of Saddleback Church. Rick Warren came up with the idea of shape to help people determine where they should be involved in ministry and service. And we've been through this before. The S of shape stands for spiritual gifts. The H in shape stands for your heart or where your passions lie. A in shape stands for abilities. P in shape stands for personality. And E in shape stands for your experiences. And all these together can help us know where we're to plug in in service and ministry. And when you consider these five factors, you also have to consider that we all look a little different from each other when it comes to our shape. In every aspect of the word. <laughs> that means you may have gifts that I don't. In fact, you do have gifts that I don't. It may mean that you have, and it does mean that you have different passions than I do. It does mean that you have different abilities than me. That does mean that your personality is not the same as mine. And you've had things in your life that you've experienced that I've never experienced. Which means that I can learn something from you. And we talk about people growing to spiritual maturity. And a part of that process is learning from one another because there's a lot that can be learned from someone who has walked with God longer than I have. So Paul warns us against becoming know-it-alls. See, sometimes to protect our egos, we... we continually try to convince those around us and ourselves that we know something about everything. And nobody likes to be around someone who knows something about everything. That's the truth of the matter. You know, here's how it goes. And I've been in that place. I served under a senior pastor for ten years. And I remember thinking, oh man, if I was doing this, if I was in charge, well, I'm in charge now and I'm, I've been humbled, but I've eaten my words a lot of times. 
We should be willing to consider the simple fact that even though we do not like what a person did, and they are difficult to deal with, they just may have something they could teach us, or have a better take on a situation, or may have a better idea about how to do something than we do. And as a result, we need to be willing to listen and maybe to work with them. And when we're not too busy trying to prove how smart we are, we may just find out that the problem with the difficult person just happens to center in me, not them. At any rate, staying humble and open keeps us pliable to the work of Christ in our life and in that relationship we have, even though it may be a difficult one. So summed up, it means maintaining a teachable spirit before God and others. Most of us know how difficult it is to work with someone who knows it all already and is unteachable. And so Paul's warning to us here, don't think you know it all. Don't be conceited. And because we don't know it all, we really do need each other, right? Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. You know where the, who we, I guess you would call the father of the Nazarene church, Phineas F. Brzee, built his first church? In the downtown poor section of Los Angeles, California. <clears throat> Among the least of these. Sounds to me like he must have been willing to associate with people of low position. And I think in that he was imitating the heart of Jesus Christ who said, this is where I want you to go. Good words for maintaining relationship with folks, be they easy or difficult to live with. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we are... We are so grateful that your word gives us instruction, guidance, direction, teaching, correction, rebuking, training in righteousness. All those things that show us and teach us how we're to live, Heavenly Father, in a way that pleases you. And as we have focused on in this portion of the book of Romans, how to love sincerely, especially people in our lives that we struggle with, that are challenging to us, that we may find ourselves in an adversarial situation with. Lord God, help us to take those things from the scripture that we have heard today and not only hide them in our hearts, but allow them to change our thinking for this whole Business that Paul talks about in chapter 12 starts out with words that say, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we pray, Lord, that in spite of the culture that we live in, that tells us this is how you deal with tough 
um, difficult, hard to live with people. That's not the way we do it. We do it according to what the Scripture says. According to what it means to love sincerely. So, Father, may your word become something that is truly a part of our lives that leads us to take action. And we ask all of this today in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.